0: Today's date is Sunday, October 31st, 2021. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, beginning with page 32, though there is no way of proving it, up to including on page 33, Young People May Be Encouraged. Rita Q will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Sherry
1: M. Rita, would you like to get us started? Thank you, Ksenia. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcohol, alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he could get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control, whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man. He remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief with practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just that where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop. And, And hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of her crowd, men of 30 or less, have been drinking only a few years, but they had found themselves as helpless as those who have been drinking 20 years past.
0: Thank you, Rita. Now it's my pleasure um, to introduce Sherry M. from California. Um, she's here with us this morning to share her experience, strength, and hope on this uh, as related to uh, this passage. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, thank you so much, um, Kaznia. And if there's a timer, if you could give me a five minute warning, that would be great. I wanna just take a deep breath here for a minute before I start. Okay, my name is Sherry and I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater, never cured, but recovered today in California. Thank you so much, Kim, for asking me to share my experience, strength, and hope. And when I signed up for this day, um, I had no idea that we would be out of town. And I love that my iPad died. <laughs> now I'm on my iPad. And, you know, we just do what we need to do. And um, this speaking today could not come at a better moment. Yesterday was one of the most difficult days definitely in my almost two years of being recovered, but also in my almost 18 years of being sober. So I think there's no coincidence that I had this commitment this morning. And I, of course, feel a little, I'm grieving and dealing with some other things. So I'm feeling a little off, but there's no better place that I'd rather be because I think uh, the most miraculous thing is That food, you know, wanting to eat or hurt myself with food hasn't even come into my mind. Um, And that is an absolute miracle of this program. And I also feel like I've gotten, I got to, um, you know, share my experience, strength, and hope on some of the best paragraphs here in this book. Um, I love this entire chapter. You know, we have, there's going to be four different cases here, and I have them all numbered. This is case number one. Once he started, he had no control, whatever. I underline that. That's me. I identified with that. I'm so, so grateful that today I know who I am. And I know that I'm an alcoholic when it comes to food. I have no question. There's no lurking notion today. But I spent um, 15 years in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous with a lurking notion and not fully conceding to my innermost self that I'm doomed and dying from this disease. I really thought that I had one more attempt, one more method, one more substitution. I am the queen of substitution. I just, there's, welcome to all the newcomers um, and anybody who might be struggling today. You know, I personally, you know, people call this the Bermuda Triangle of compulsive overeating, right? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. To me, this was amateur hour, honestly, um, because the amount of damage that I did on a daily basis eating, you know, was not on the holidays. It was every other day, every day of my life. And I just remember because it is Halloween that I would come home. I'm also a picky compulsive overeater. So I would come home with my Halloween bag, and I'd empty it out and I would only pick out the rhesus, anything with peanut butter, chocolate, maybe some Butterfingers, and that was really it. <laughs> and then I would go and I would eat all of them. So if I had 10, 20, whatever the amount was, it all had to be eaten. This, these were sort of my rituals and my behaviors, picking out the best foods, eating them all, getting rid of them and moving on. And um, And I pursued this feeling of needing to have like, for instance, the perfect crunch, um, the perfect crunch, you know, and I would get a bag of Cheetos crunchy, and I would go through each and every one trying to trying to get the best one. And then the bag would be over. Like, I I really remember these rituals and, and needing to have more and more and more, and nothing would ever satisfy. But then it became this, um, almost like an OCD type. I mean, literally, this is how I ate everything, or, you know, and just being a picky compulsive overeater at a young age you know I just remember picking off every single topping on a pizza (laughs) and just being left with the crust and then just eating like a whole larger you know and I I am a full I'm not a periodic I am just whatever is there I eat like a garbage can and just stuffing myself until I pass out and I ate like this um, basically until I came into the rooms and this um, you know uh, it says here and I have this as a warning on page 32 that fell victim to a belief that almost every alcoholic had that maybe after a long period of self-discipline I, it could qualify me I don't know that I absolutely had that thought like one day I could but I really thought I had other methods that could fix this and the truth is I was going on faulty information so part of it was I really didn't know I heard in the rooms that everyone gives up sugar and flour, and and then I heard other people that didn't have to give up sugar and flour, and I literally would just keep keep adopting other people's food plans, not realizing, which I know now, that some of those people may not even have my problem, right? Like, I am a real compulsive overeater, which means that I could be killing myself using somebody else's um, food plan. I need to identify, for me, what the allergic foods are. And the allergy manifests for me um, and it's not even the hardcore items. And this is what I have found. And I'm so grateful for finding um, a vision for you in 2018 and by the fifth. So talk about not thinking they had one more attempt. You know, I love this part. You know, every attempt fail. I like to turn everything into a question and ask myself, has every attempt I've ever made failed? Um, and, you know, I'm so grateful for the fifth vision for you sponsor. Um And I say that only because God brought me to one that started having a spiritual experience, but then she left program. So then I went to another one. And then there was a time difference. And meanwhile, I was still like eating crunchy things, but nobody knew about that. And then the third one, there was some other issue, but every single time I started over with someone on step one, because God needed me to have a solid foundation. And today I believe... My foundation is so in place, like nothing has rocked this foundation in almost two years. And I have been through so many things that uh, it, it just, it's just, it's really astonishing to me, especially yesterday with family stuff. You know, the minute I was rejected from my family growing up, after a lifetime of being rejected, the first thing I would do was go into the cupboard and reinforce that unlovable feeling of not being wanted in my family. And, you know, I I found out on social media from a post that my sister did that my only aunt uh, passed away. And then after, you know, finding out more about it, you know, um, this was on the 20th. And I found out two nights ago on social media, nobody thought it was important to let me know that my only aunt died tragically on the operating table. And um, and then after, you know, confronting my mom about it and asking her, and then she lied to me and said she didn't know, but then I have a voicemail that she called my sister on the 20th. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a lifetime of not being important in this family. And, you know, I want to just share this because if there's anybody who might also come from like a, a, a real... <laughs> dysfunctional family I used to say that that was the reason why I was eating but I am living proof today that when being entirely abstinent and working these steps on a daily basis and having the spiritual awakening that I've had on a daily basis there is nothing that has rocked my foundation and although there was all this crazy stuff going on I just kept going to God and I kept doing 10 Steps. And I did multiple 10 steps and I spoke my truth. And I also realized that um, I also don't have to participate with these people. You know, I just don't. And there's, you know, there, like I said, 18 years almost of being sober, of making these living amends. And and for, for what? It's like, why am I living in this lie? You know, um, and, and then I was really focusing on the fact that God brought me this amazing family, right? I married in to this family. we're, we're down here um, visiting uh, two hours away they live. and there's five grandchildren and there's three daughter I have three stepdaughters who are all best friends. and it's all healthy and wonderful and loving and I get to be a part of that and I and I was just thanking God yesterday. You know, I love this part in the big book that says, you know, I highlighted this as a promise that this case contains a powerful lesson. It does. It tells me here that every attempt is going to fail by me. And that's highlighted right above. So next to that, every attempt is fail. And that fifth sponsor said to me on the phone as I called her, I'll never forget it. It was November 3rd of 2019. And that's the date that I was done entirely abstinent. And she said, you know, I called her desperate and dying, right? I just, you know, I can't stop eating skinny popcorn. It's the last thing to go. And I was in tears and I was literally suicidal over this because the the compulsion, everything else, it was, I, I was getting sicker in the rooms. So maybe I came in, my top weight was busting out of a size 16. My lowest weight in the disease was a size two. I've been around a size Uh, four, six, you know, and at the time that I was really suicidal was a healthy body weight, but it was the, um, so it really has nothing. It's not about the weight. It's not about the quantity. It's about being powerless, powerless, and just not being, and putting it in my mouth. And I remember videotaping myself and, and looking at myself in the eyes and saying, stop eating this popcorn, stop eating. And I couldn't stop. And I thought, I can't, I can't go on one more minute like this. This is, I I don't want to live if this is what it is. And then I called that for sponsor. And this is the scariest thing. As I'm crying here and telling you that was my bottom. And I called her up and I'm telling her how desperate I am in the same conversation, because this disease for me manifests in pride and ego. And I didn't realize that. I started giving her my resume. I call it my spiritual resume. Oh, well, I'm this many years sober and I've done... The steps you know 18 times and I'm in Al-Anon and ACA and da 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 and you know what she said to me which is this page which is no coincidence I'll never forget it on the other end of the line she was not warm and fuzzy and she was the only one that called me out on this and she said has anything you've ever done gotten you recovered and I paused and it was the first time I didn't like immediately have an answer back, and I really scanned all of my attempts, all of my substitution, my paleo muffins, my keto this, my raw and vegan this, my superfoods, all the all the ways in which I judged what everyone else was eating because I was eating super grains and sprouted grains, <laughs> and it's the insan- and my my insanity flashed before my eyes, and I said no. Nothing I've ever done has worked. And that was my moment of both hands in the air. Take it. Take it all. Just take it all. And from that moment, my higher power swooped in. And the thing that I was most afraid of living, I mean, this food, I needed this food. This food was my mother, my dad, my family. This was the only love I had in life was food. I had nothing in the house I grew up in I had just abusive um, situations dysfunction um, felt like I was a mistake the minute I was born and this food gave me everything and I didn't want to put it down and that from that moment on what I thought was this everything in the spiritual world has literally been the opposite I was it was like amazing and I what when I just said I'm done take both hands God my higher power swooped in, into my heart before it was in my head. And I was doing all the prayers and saying all these things and doing the work, checking off boxes. And from that moment, and, I, and I've lived like that now for almost two years, on the third, it will be two years of literally, you can take anything from my food plant, whatever it is, take it all. And not only that, but because I've done that with the food, I also do that with everything else in my life. Take it all, take this relationship, take this job, take, take it all. In fact, God is not interested in what I want. God only is interested in what I need and what God has provided for me is beyond anything I could have ever imagined that I would want. Um, And so it says there must be no and must, you know, that's, that is, uh, I have next to that permanent progressive fatal I can't have any reservations whatsoever. No, no lurking notion um, that someday I'm going to be immune. And I and I did. I think I just I just didn't think that my case was as bad as other people's. But it was because I was in the wrong rooms, honestly. And once I found vision for you and you people here on this meeting is such a strong meeting, and I love coming here and listening often to the speakers. But surrounding myself with people who had my problem. Who have found a way out and who are not just white knuckling getting meal to meal and chewing gum in between being miserable but who have freedom who have you can hear it in their voices when i call recovered people and we're talking about yeah like that was hard what i went through yesterday but here's god's spiritual truth like here's the turnaround here's, here's what I can do. Okay. Maybe I should make amends for that text. Okay. So i made amends for that text, but now what is the spiritual truth? Oh, okay. God has these people in my life because I still have more things to learn and I need to grow through this really difficult situation. And to see that um, again, where's my trust and reliance, right? I am so, so grateful. I wrote some things down and five minute warning, Sherry thank you so much um, I wrote some things down and I wrote a whole bunch down the other as I was driving down here and there it's all in my car with my little notes but I don't think it's necessary and what I want to really just um, also share about is for the first time in my life um, you know I've just started a new career uh, putting myself out I'm 51 years old and um, I'm just starting a brand new thing and thinking, like I have no idea what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. This is the first time that I'm not sitting. You know, I used to have like a package of something on the passenger seat. I remember when I started my I, have a, I used to work with animals for 15 years with dogs in particular. And so when I started that business, I passed out flyers in the neighborhood of, you know, I'm a dog walker, a pet sitter. and I remember that I would eat a cookie, go pass a flyer, eat a cookie, pass a flyer, you know, and then the first client would call and leave a message. And I was so scared to call them back that I would have to eat something and then call them back. I, I, it was my courage. It was everything. And the fact that I, I have the higher power inside of me that's giving me all the courage and strength. And I've gone to interviews and I'm passing out business cards and I'm saying, this is what I'm doing now. And the results are in God's hand. And I, I'm not nervous and I'm not, um, I'm not lacking, you know, this is the thing. The thing that I thought was giving me my courage was a false sense of, of courage, you know, and what I've learned and I was listening to a great AA speaker, which I love listening to Mark Gage and Bob D and all these amazing speakers. And I was listening to one. I, and I listen to one every week on step one because I never want to forget. And I feel like this is a disease for me of amnesia. It's a disease of minimization. It's a disease for sure of delusion and justification and comparing out. And, um, and, you know, it's, I think he said, I'm not an alcoholic. um, And I'll just say with food because I drank compulsively and killed myself with alcohol. I compulsively overeat and kill myself with food because I am an alcoholic. (laughs) It's like the opposite. This is, I, I cannot not eat. I have a spiritual malady and there's nothing, I have a, I have a disease of no choice. I cannot not eat. The only thing that can help me from this disease is total surrender, giving up again, my methods did not work. And if, if you wonder if your methods have worked, you can just ask yourself what my sponsor asked me, are you recovered today and has anything you've done, gotten you recovered if you're still struggling like I was for 15 years in the rooms of picking up and not picking up and having doubts of abstinence and this insanity. And now I have been totally free. It's as if the problem doesn't exist. And all I have to do is follow these simple, these simple instructions on this is, I am so grateful. I used to, and I'll just wrap up with this. I used to hate the fact that I was that drug addict, alcoholic in recovery, and I had the food problem. And I, and I did everything I could, like I said, I worked the steps 18 times, went to, I did everything I could to not have this food problem, but I never got entirely abstinent and then worked the steps like this, like every day. Um, and I have to say, this is the biggest gift in my life being a recovered compulsive overeater because the, I would never have this surrender that I have. I I was only saying I was doing the third step before, but really trusting and relying upon a higher power and turning everything over, like totally. It's all, it's like the turn the food over and then you'll want to do the rest. At least that's been my experience, but holding on to some food items or holding on to some control. Why would I ever want to turn anything over to God? So again, it's like the X is spiritual axiom. So anyways, I cannot wait to hear from all of you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be of service, Kim. And if you're struggling, just don't leave, keep coming back. It really works. It does. Thank you.